Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Jared Blockhead. Welcome to everybody who's watching online. We're so honored to have you with us here tonight. So excited to be here. So excited for what God is going to do in and through us today. Before we uh, get going into the message tonight, I really felt like God wanted to Amen. I just, right before I came here today and as I was preparing to speak, I got a text from one of my close friends um, at Grand Valley. I'm a student, I'm a senior at Grand Valley, and I got a text from one of my close friends that God, literally, we prayed for her last week Wednesday, and um, God completely healed her of a heart condition, and like she was, she just got back from the doctor today, and the doctor said that she was completely healed and completely like... There was nothing wrong, and she was actually, yeah. So um, in light of that, I just feel like God and, like, there's just faith in the room um, for physical healing. And so I'm just going to say a prayer over all of us. And if that's you in the room or maybe you're watching online and you're believing God for something specific in your life, you're believing God for an area of healing, um, whether it's emotional healing, I just feel like the Lord's even calling out, like, PTSD or any traumatic, any trauma that you've been through that's kind of just been plaguing you and kind of sticking around for a while. I feel like God just wants to bring healing to that, whether it's physical healing um, and any, any pain or disease or abnormality. Um, just, yeah, so everyone in the house, if you're watching online, if you could just open your hands in a posture of receiving, let's just, let's just pray. Lord God, we thank you, Jesus for what you're doing in the earth, Father. We thank you, Lord. Jesus, we just sang about it, Lord, that how powerful your name is. Jesus, it is the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that you are Lord to the glory of the Father, Lord. And we say that every knee, Father, that cancer has to bow, Father God, that any PTSD has to bow, any pain, any abnormality, any abnormal heart condition has to bow in the name of Jesus, has to bow to this wonderful, beautiful, and powerful name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you and we declare that what you did on the cross was enough for us, Jesus. You said that you bore our sicknesses, you carried our pain on the cross, and that by your stripes we were healed, Father. So I pray for every single person in house right now who's believing God for healing. I say, be healed in the name of Jesus. I say, for every single person watching online right now in the name of Jesus, be healed for the glory of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you, Father, and it is all unto you, Jesus. It's all unto you your glory. It's all unto your power. It's all unto you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I honor you, God, and I bless your name, Lord. You're so good, and you're greatly to be praised. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Awesome. 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 Um, real quick, before we keep going to, if you're online, if you're in-house, and you were believing God for something, check it out real quick. Just check it out. If you couldn't do something that you could do before, check it out. And, uh, I mean, if you notice any difference, feel free to interrupt me as I keep talking. Like, that's way more important than anything I got to say. God doing something crazy. So, yeah. And then also, too, if you're online and God moved in your life, even tangibly, like right now, and you notice a difference um, as a result of the, the healing that God is ministering to you, please let us know in the chat. Type it in. We want to hear about it. and We want to give God the praise and the glory for what he's doing. So, Praise God, that's so awesome. So, uh, yeah, all right, here we go. Man, don't you just love Jesus? Woo! 
Come on. So like I said before, my name's Jared Blaukamp. Um, I have been a student at this house. I've been uh, part of this church for basically my entire life. And let me tell you, it's been such a blessing and such an honor. Are you thankful for this church? you thankful for this body of believers that are committed to raising up, to winning souls and making disciples? I'm, I'm telling you, I've been... You know, I've had the privilege, I'm only 22, but I've had the privilege of traveling across the country. And let me tell you, there's very few churches like Resurrection Life Church in America. There's very few, very few that are committed to Jesus, committed to his word, committed to the fullness and the work of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's such a blessing to be a part of this. And so I'm super excited to be here tonight and uh, honored to share a, a little word with you guys tonight. So last week, um, my dad spoke, my dad, Pastor Bernie, he spoke and he brought an amazing word on grace and truth and specifically tying that into like our faith and how we receive from God. And I think the one thing to kind of sum up the whole thing is that, man, when we have a right perspective, a right balance of grace and truth in our life, we really open ourselves up to receive everything from God through the avenue of our faith. And uh, on, in that same topic, that same topic of faith, I want to continue here tonight. Um, and I felt like God, as I was preparing for tonight, felt like God specifically led me to a passage in Mark 4 uh, to kind of preach on tonight and to kind of share with you guys. So I'm just going to read it here a minute. Um, this is Mark 4, and this is the parable of the, the sower, where Jesus explains the parable of the sower to his disciples. So I'm going to read Mark 4, verse 13 through 20. And then we're going to specifically look at uh, verses 18 and 19 and then take a little bit of a deeper dive into those. So does that sound good? Ready? All right, here we go. So this is Mark 4, verse 13 through 20. and says, And he, Jesus, said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. So pause here a little bit, just give some context to this story. Jesus got, just got done telling a parable to a crowd of people that he was preaching to. And he says that there was a, he says a parable, which is basically just an analogy that Jesus, is, Jesus use, uses to explain like a kingdom truth. So he tells a story in order to kind of explain this kingdom truth. So he tells a story of how a certain farmer, he went out and he just sow, he sowed seed liberally. He said he just threw it out. And he said as he was sowing the seed, there was, the seed fell on four different types of soil. It fell on the hard ground or by the wayside. It fell on stony ground. It fell on a ground that was littered with thorns and thistles. And then it fell on finally on good soil, on good fertile soil. And so he basically ends it there to the crowd and Jesus' disciples just heard him preach this amazing message. And probably like a lot of us at that time, we would have been like, Jesus, that was amazing. Like, I loved the story. Like, the farmer, you really had me there. But I have no clue what that means. Like, what, could you explain a little bit deeper? Like, I'm not catching the whole, like, analogy thing. And so this is kind of where we pick up in verse 13. So, or in verse 14, where Jesus is kind of explaining now to his disciples He's explaining what that parable, what that analogy, that story is kind of meaning. So again, in verse 14, we say, this is what it says. The sower sows the word. 
And these are the ones by the wayside or the hard ground where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. And they have no root in and of themselves, and they only endure for a little time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble or turn away. Verse 18, now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But, verse 20 says, these are the ones who, these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. So, specifically, we're going to take a closer look at Mark 4, verse 18 and 19. And specifically, on the ground that's littered with thorns that comes into choke. Because I think there's a lot of us in this room, a lot of us watching online, who have received something from the Lord. Whether it's, man, I was reading the word of God and God showed me something in his word. Or, man, I feel like this pressing burden on my heart to go and do something. Like God's put something in my heart to do. And there's three things that mentioned in verse 18 and 19 that threatened to come in and choke out that word choke out that revelation, choke out before it actually produces the fruit in our lives. And I think we as a Res Life Church family, we are ones who are going to put to death those thorns. We're going to put to death all of these things so that the word of God in our heart, the word of God in our life, we'll hear it, we'll accept it, and then we'll go and bear fruit in our lives. And that's what's happening in and through Res Life Church and this community of believers and for all of us watching online, like God is doing something so special. So let's take a closer look at Mark 4, verse 18 through 19. Um, first in the ESV, um, this is what it says, and others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So that's the ESV. Let's read it one more time in the Amplified. Kind of like how it puts it here in the Amplified. In verse 18, it says, And others are the ones whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who heard the word, but the worries and cares of the world, the distractions of this age with its worldly pleasures, and the deceitfulness, the false security or glamour of wealth or fame, and the passionate desires for other things creep in and choke out the word and becomes unfruitful. And so you see this, this kind of like cycle that happens in verse 18 and 19. One, the word came. The word was sown on the soil. The word came. Number two, the seed actually started to grow. Like the word of God in my life, like it actually started to grow. Maybe I had a revelation or God put something on my heart for me to do and I started to take the first like initial steps to fulfilling that word or obeying that word that I read in scripture or that God put on my heart. But then number three, there was also a thorn that grew alongside of it. It wasn't that, it wasn't that the, the plant didn't grow. The seed, the seed did grow, 
It was actually producing some level of growth. But the problem was that this thorn was also allowed to grow as well. And they, they grew together in concert. And the result of that is that the original seed, the, good, the word that was sown by God was choked out at the end. And it proved unfruitful. And so there's three things that come and there's three thorns that Jesus mentions specifically in the ESV. If you want to throw that Mark 18 and 19 back up there. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. They enter in and choke the word. And so with the rest of my time here today, we're going to go through three biblical examples of each one of these We'll look at a story in the Bible where the cares of the world, the world literally entered in and grew at the same time as the word of the Lord in this person's life and how the cares of the world eventually overtook the word of God. Their life proved unfruitful. And then we'll look at the deceitfulness of riches and then we'll look at the desire for other things as well. And then finally, we're going to end kind of with a activation for all of us where we ask God, Lord, what are those things that you're putting on my heart to do? And maybe what are some things that are distracting in my life that are threatening to come in and choke that word? Because I, I believe that God's got something significant for us. And he wants us to be aware of some of these things so that we can be proactive. Take that roundup and put all of those weeds, all those thorns to death, right? So that the word of God can be fruitful in our lives. And that we can live into the fullness of it. So the first one we're going to mention is the cares of the world. And the story I want to kind of zero in on here is the story of King Saul. He started off really good. And we're going to see that in a minute. The word was planted in his heart. And he was bearing some fruit. He had success. King Saul, he was a king of Israel. He was Israel's actually first king ever. The first king ever. And he was winning some great battles. But he allowed a root of fear of man to grow alongside the calling of God on his life. And we'll see that this root of fear of man actually choked the word of God in his life and made him unfruitful. And so we see this, the first, the word came. We remember we saw in, that the word came and then the seed started to grow, but the thorns grew as well and then it proved unfruitful. So the word came. This is 1 Samuel 10 verse 1. This is where we see the word first come to Saul. This is what it says, 1 Samuel 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head. This is Saul, Saul's head, and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. So literally, Samuel comes in, anoints him as king. If there's like any clearer sign of what God called you to do, it's, it's probably some random dude, some prophet that you probably know. And he's coming over and he just like pours a bunch of oil on your head and you're like, hey, you're the next guy. Like that's pretty clear, you know. That's awesome. That'd be like Pastor Dwayne just like coming up to you randomly one Sunday and saying, all right, hey, you're the next pastor. Sound good? All right. We'll be in contact, all right? See you later. You know, it's like, like God so clearly made this word, this word so um, clear in Saul's life. So the word was planted in his heart and it actually started to grow. And, and Saul was following after the ways of the Lord for a while. And we see that in 1 Samuel 10, verse 6 through 7. Uh, that Again, that's 1 Samuel 10, verse 6 through 7. And it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord 
will rush upon you and you'll prophesy with these prophets and be turned into another man. Now when these signs meet you, do whatever your hand finds to do for God is with you. So after he had been anointed, Samuel sends him out to go find these people. And after this, literally the spirit of the Lord rushed on him. And Samuel promises, he promises Saul, when these signs meet you, do whatever your hand finds to do for God is with you. Like this seed was growing in Saul's life. He was living into the word that God had spoken over his life. But he also allowed this thorn of fear of man to grow alongside the word of God. And this is, we see that kind of played out in his life when Saul was facing a battle and he, the Philistines were coming against him and they were gathering together and it looked, it looked like he wasn't ready, but Samuel gave Saul specific instructions. He said, wait for me before you enter out into battle because I'm going to offer a burnt offering. I'm going to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. Like I'm going to, basically I'm going to offer worship to the Lord before you go out. So wait for me seven days even though the Philistines are coming together, even though your army might even be like a little bit nervous about all of this, wait for me. Don't do anything. But Saul saw that these people were gathering together and he probably heard, you know, some of the, the sayings of his, of his army. He heard that they were getting a little fearful. And this is his response in 1 Samuel 13, verse 8 through 9. It says he waited seven days. Saul waited seven days the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come up to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So he sees all of his army, all of a sudden, now they're running away. They're starting to scatter. They're getting fearful of the Philistines, and in this moment, so Saul said, he said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offering, and he offered the burnt offering instead of letting Samuel offer the burnt offering and obeying the Lord. So we see that Saul he bowed to what the people were wanting. He got fearful of the people, and he disobeyed the word of God through the prophet Samuel. And again, we see this fear of man kind of trump what God had told Saul to do in 1 Samuel, verse 15 through 17 through 19, um, and then in verse 24 as well. And says, And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord has sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they're consumed. So why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you not pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? So basically Samuel's saying, Why did you not obey the Lord? The Lord gave you specific instructions, but you didn't obey them. Why did you do that? And in verse 24, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. And we see right after that in 1 Samuel 15 that the kingdom of Israel was actually taken from Saul at that point. So what am I saying through all of this is that one of the ways that the enemy likes to choke out the word of God in our lives is through fear of man. The cares of this world, right? And one of the main ways that the cares of the world seeps into our heart is through the fear of man. And what is the fear of man? It's basically placing man's opinion above God's opinion in our life. 
So God's like, God's given us a word. He's given us something that we should do. And all of a sudden this voice comes in of, man, but how are they going to respond to that? Oh, man, I'm going to look like a fool if I do that. Oh, this person, that. And all of a sudden we start to value other people's opinions over the word that God has actually spoken to our hearts. And if we're not careful, that's one of the thorns that can come in and choke out that word of God. Just like it did in Saul's life. He said, man, he said, I, I have sinned. I did not obey the Lord because I feared man. I had fear of the people over what the, what the Lord told me to do. And so it's something for us to, to just take note of. You know, I'm not condemning anybody in here, not condemning anybody online, but I'm just saying, let's, let's take note of what the enemy tries to do in our life, and let's just let's spray some Roundup on it. Let's cut it off. Let's cut it off in our lives. And let's say, you know what, Lord? Like, help me. Help me. If I do feel that fear of man, I'm going to notice that it's growing in my life, and I'm going to cut it down and say, no. Like, this is what God told me to do, and I'm going to go for it. And so... That's the first one, the cares of this world, and the cares of the world basically evidencing itself through the deceitfulness of riches, or through, sorry, through the fear of man. So the next one is the deceitfulness of riches, and here basically we, we zero in on the story of Judas. Um, Judas was one of, 12, one of 12 disciples that Jesus had actually chosen for him and his ministry, Jesus had called him. The word was sown in his life. He, he had called him to be his own disciple. He called him. Out of all of the people in Israel, he chose Judas to be one of his 12. And Judas was actually walking in some of the fruit that Jesus had called him to. The seed of his call was actually bearing fruit in his life. And to see that, let's, let's take a look at Mark 6, verse 7, and then 12 through 13. Um, and Mark 6 Verse 7, it says, And he called, he, Jesus, being Jesus, called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. And then verse 12 through 13 says, So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And I just, I feel like I haven't thought about this a lot, that Judas was one of those twelve. Like, have we ever thought about that before? Like, the one who bet- literally betrayed Jesus was one of these 12 who literally received authority from God and went out and cast out evil spirits and prayed for people and they were healed and was preaching repent and the kingdom of God. Like, the seed of his calling was starting to grow in his life. But while this seed was growing in his life, he also let a thorn of, of the deceitfulness of riches, the thorn of greed, also grow in his life. And we see a window into this. We see a window into this thorn growing in his life in John 12, verse 6. And this kind of an exposition of this passage is there was a woman who was coming to Jesus and she poured out like a very expensive amount of perfume on his feet and was like anointing his feet. And it was like her worship to him. But there was some of the disciples that looked at that and said, why did she waste all of that expensive perfume? Like she could have like sold that. She could have taken that and like we could have sold it and then give the money to the poor and all of this stuff. And so Judas is one of those people that pipes up and says, why did she waste all of that expensive perfume? Like the money could have been used elsewhere. And this is John 12 verse 6. 
And so right after Judas, or once some of the disciples had said this, um, we get a window into why Judas had said this. In John 12, verse 6, it says, Judas said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Like, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, he was keeper of the money bag. And even before he accepted the 30 talents of silver to go and betray Jesus, he already had a seed of greed that was growing in his heart. And he left it unchecked. And the call of God, the word of God that was given to him at that time, it would eventually be choked out by this deceitfulness of riches, this greed that was growing in. And so for us, what does that look like for us today? It looks like us living in fi financial integrity. Like, man, are we, are we, one, like, are we giving God the first fruits of everything that we make? Are we making sure that, man, there's no love of money that's, like, entering in, right? The solution and the cure, Pastor Dwayne writes it in uh, the book, Your New Life, but the solution and the cure for the love of money is literally tithing. Like, Man, we want to see this root of deceitfulness of riches be choked out in our lives so that it doesn't choke out the word of God. Like, man, are we, are we committing to tithing? Are we, are we living with an open hand? Or are we, man, are we holding on and trying to like, we're, we're holding on unduly to the money that we have in our life and allowing this seed of greed to choke out the word. You know, it's something for us to definitely be thinking about. And the last one as we go here is the desire for other things. So we saw that the cares of the world through the fear of man um, has choked out the word. We saw the deceitfulness of riches through greed has the potential to choke out the word. And then the last thing is the desire for other things. And the desire for other things, in this, in this story, the story of King Solomon is evidenced through the areas of lust and lack of self-control. Solomon was one of the wisest kings to ever live on the, on the earth. It says... It says in 2 Kings that he literally made silver as common as the stones on the ground at that time. He was the richest king, the most wise king in all of the earth. And God was actually moving in his life. He appeared, God literally appeared to Solomon twice in his lifetime. Like the physical, the God of Israel literally appeared to him. But he had an, he had an unchecked area of lust in his life. And it says later at the end of Solomon's life that he married a whole bunch of women and all of these women started leading him astray to serving other gods. And as a result of that, the promise that God had made to him was that he would have an heir on the throne for the rest, like forever. But the result of that was the word of God had been choked out through his life, through this area of the desire for other things, through unchecked lust in his heart. Right, and so <clears throat> this is kind of like this is kind of like a a different kind of message. I'm not used to like kind of giving a message of kind of like warning or like, hey, let's be on the lookout for this. But I give this message not to like bring a somber or anything like that, not to like call anybody out. But I I literally just bring it up to say. 
that man, we have to be aware of what the enemy is trying to do in our hearts so that we can be proactive. He has no authority in and through our life, but if we are unchecked and we don't bring these things to the Lord, then he can have a heyday in our life, and he can steal and kill and destroy the things that God actually wants to do in our life and actually has begun already to do in our life. And so we don't want to be ignorant as a people of God. We want to, be, we want to know what the enemy is up to and then act beforehand so that we can live on the offensive and see the kingdom of God break in and through our life. And so this is what it says in Romans 15, verse 4. It says, it says that whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Like all of these stories that I just mentioned and all of the things that I just blazed through, all the scripture we just read, like the purpose of those things is that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope, right? That's, that's the purpose. And that's what I hope we pull from all of this today, is that we as a people of God would have hope, a positive imagination for what God can do in our life. And we would look at these biblical examples, and we would say, you know what? I see that, and I'm, it's not going to be so in my life. I'm putting a stake in the ground, and I'm going to persist in the word of God for my life. And I'm going to put to death these potential areas that could come in and choke out the word of God in my life. And so, as a Res Life Church family, we like to make things practical. And specifically on this Wednesday night, we love this Wednesday night community. I was looking around and worshiping, and I just saw so many faces that I recognized. And I was like, man, I just love this Wednesday night crowd. It's so awesome. And what God is doing in, in and through us as a community just on Wednesday nights is crazy. And it's so awesome. And um, there's so many different pieces of God's heart that are sitting scattered around this room. And we want to make this Wednesday night as practical as possible. And so we're going to go into a little time of activation. And so we just have like a few questions that are going to be um, cycling through. A few questions that are up on those things. And what we would encourage you to do, everybody on house, in-house and online. I'm going to talk with you guys in just a minute. But... Um, in-house, I would love for you guys just, just to go like meet somebody new or maybe you know somebody, you came with somebody, just kind of discuss these two questions. First one is, what is one thing that you feel God is calling you to do? Like what is that word that he's sown into your heart? What is that thing that he's already planted inside of your heart? And then number two, maybe what could be a potential distraction? What could be a potential thorn that could choke out that word of God in your life? And how can we go and fight against that as a community of believers? So we're going to split up in-house. We're going to give you guys some time to discuss that with, with your neighbors, with some people. So stand up if you have to. You can go find them. And then pray with each other too. There's so much power when we pray for one another. So, all right, does that sound good? So we're going to take the next five to ten minutes and just kind of discuss that and go after it. And uh, awesome, that sounds great. And then I'm going to talk with a online community here in just a minute too so all right okay this is good man it's, it's hard for me to kind of break up this discussion it looks like everybody's doing uh going deep which is so amazing we love that praise God for what he's doing and the relationships that he's building and even some of the ways that he's been uh revealing some things in in and through our hearts in the room here today it's been so cool um yeah, so as we're kind of wrapping up these conversations, 
One, as a Res Life Church family, we don't ever like to end a service without giving people opportunity to come to know Jesus, to step into the fullness of relationship with him. You know, in a crowd like this, there's people at every single spiritual level, people who have grown up in the church, they've known about Jesus their whole life, and there's people that maybe have never really heard about the message of Jesus, or maybe even as I'm speaking, you're saying, man, I really feel like I need to step into fullness of relationship with God. Maybe you've allowed some of these other things to come and choke out even the, even the word of God or your devotion to Jesus. And I just feel like I need to provide this opportunity just to say, one, God loves you. He made a way for you and you can be saved. You can, you can find the fullness of relationship in Jesus and it's in no other thing. It's only in the name of Jesus. That's where we find the fullness of satisfaction. And by saying yes to Jesus, you're basically saying, I I turn from my life. I turn from my life of sin. I turn from these these cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things. I turn away from those things. And I want to trust and follow Jesus for the first time. I want to put all of my eggs in his basket. I want to bank on him. I want to trust Jesus like I trust a parachute. So if that's you in the room, you're saying, man, I I really feel like I I need to give my first yes to Jesus. I want to step into fullness of relationship. Or you're saying, man, if I'm honest with myself, I think I've drifted away. I've let some of these other things come in and distract me from my relationship with God. But I really want to recenter on this relationship with God. I want to commit to the word of God in my life and I want to go forward with it. So if that's either one of you, you're saying, man, I want to give Jesus my everything for the first time or I want to rededicate my life to Jesus with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, if that's you in the room, I would just love and I'd be so honored if you'd raise your hand on the count of three. So one, two, three, if that's you. Thank you, Jesus, seeing hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. You can put your hands down. So good. So let's, we're, as Res Life Church, we're a family here. So let's just pray with some of our brothers and sisters in this room that are deciding to give their first yes to Jesus, deciding to rededicate their lives to Jesus. Let's all join together and you can repeat this prayer after me. Just say, Jesus, I love you. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I need a savior. Would you come and be the savior in my life? I make you, Jesus, the Lord of my life. I turn from my sin and I pursue wholehearted relationship with you. Holy Spirit, help me to walk this out right and lead me to brothers and sisters who I can walk with as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Isn't that awesome, guys? Praise God. Praise God. That's so amazing. So, so proud of those who responded to that. And thank you guys so much again for this opportunity to come and speak today. Um, If you did raise your hand and you said, man, I want to rededicate my life or I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time, please come up. I would love to meet you. I'd love to pray with you and love to continue this conversation of what it means to follow Jesus. So love you guys. Thank you so much.